Hello, welcome to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. We've got lots to talk about, as ever, on the show. One place to start, of course, Champions Day at Ascot yesterday. Where should we start? Well, he came, he saw, but he didn't conquer. Baid defeated for the first time. He does a Zenyatta. We'll reflect on that and what that means for his legacy. We'll also talk about the horse that did win, of course, and that was Baybridge. Brilliant performance from him, bouncing back to some of the promise that he showed very early on in the season. We'll hear from top rider, derby-winning rider Richard Kingston. Speaking of bouncy, bouncy things, Trushan bounced back to his best under Holly Doyle. Five-day ban for our girl, though. And was it a light suspension? Hmm. Race right. We'll also hear from the man in charge of promoting this wonderful sport, Rod Street, who's the boss of the Champion Series and of Great British Racing. We'll talk about how we promote this wonderful sport and how we did yesterday as well. Lots to get stuck you, into. You call it race riding, Shawnee. I call it presenting. Off you go. That's it. Off we go. Yeah, is that HR? Yeah, need to report a, a workplace <laughs> Sean, assault. Sean, don't worry about that. I have an HR on speed dial, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> They're on to me every day of my life. Oh, my favourite group. That was just nothing, bit of... Um... Yeah. To be fair, you were more muscly than I thought you'd be. I thought it would be like, like go pushing a blancmange, but it was a bit more... I folded up like a pack of cards there. <laughs> we'll come back to that topic. Uh, that was uh, just a reminder. We've got so much to get stuck into today, haven't we? Lots to get stuck into. We've been asking you on social media about Bayid's defeat. What does that mean for his legacy? Where does he stand? I think we said, where does he stand in, in, in the lexicon of the greats, which maybe um, invited a, a more negative response. Where does Bayid rank among the all-time greats after today's performance? Is he still amongst the all-time greats? Was he ever amongst the all-time greats for you? He's clearly one of the top horses of this year by any standards. Only well, flight line. OK, let's sum this up, I think, in two ways. First is the official rating mm -hmm. and then what people will feel about Baid from the heart. Which are two different things. Yeah, so let's start with the official rating. Yeah. I don't think the handicapper will lower his rating for yesterday's run. No. I think they'll ignore it. That's what usually happens anyway, depending on what rankings you look at, actually. Yeah. But on the basis we're talking about the official handicapper here, I see no reason why they would lower the rating. So he's going to retire, I would think, with a rating of 135. Yeah. Clearly on that rating, he is one of the great horses that we have seen. But from a horse who has truly captured the, heart, the hearts of the people, rather than just the hype machine of us presenters and broadcasters and, and press people. Would our people really waking up in the morning and thinking Baid's the first thing that comes into their mind, like Frankel and, and perhaps even see the stars and, and others have been in the past? Personally, I doubt it. I think... I, I doubt it. Yeah, well, there's two, there's two facts to that. One is sometimes it takes a while for us to reflect back on a horse and see it in that light. But the other, as you say, is... I don't, he'd never really engaged. We didn't see him as a baby. We didn't see him in a classic. You know, he didn't win the two-year-olds, as you yeah. say. He isn't a classic winner. Takes nothing away from the fact he's a brilliant yeah. horse. But he, he needed to do something else, didn't he? He, needed, he either needed to win yesterday or win the arc or... And I feel this is the frustration with the sport in, in many ways. You know, the fact that he's just gone now. You know, why, after yesterday's defeat, 
wouldn't connections just say, look, we'll take him home. We feel the ground was the thing that beat him today. And if he's OK in three, four weeks' time, or three weeks' time, we'll put him on the ship and we'll run him in the Breeders' Cup mile and give him the chance to go out with a bang. Now, there may be reasons why they physically can't do that from a stallion roster point of view and all that kind of thing. I've, I've no idea about that kind of stuff. But for me, that's disappointing that they wouldn't just even consider it. Like, if I was Shaker Hiss and William Haggis this morning, I'd be on the call and saying, is the horse absolutely fine, William? Yes, he's absolutely fine, Shaker Hisser. Um, well, what do you think? We're, we might not get... We might get firm ground, we might get what Americans call good to soft ground, because you could not tell what the ground would be at Keenum. But you're not going to have the ground that you had at Ascot yesterday, and it's going to be a really good Breeders' Cup mile. Really good. So if he won it, it would be something super special. I, I put that out there on the basis I know it's not going to happen. Yes. Lots of reasons why not. I think some of them for well, next year... One. Well, they've already made their plans for next year, and that may... Have they? Are they, they absolutely? Yeah, 100%. We've known that for a long time. This was going to be his last race. And also... For that operation, would it matter? also, you can't train for this day and then go for something like that. Actually, when you say they've already made their plans for next year, are you, three weeks isn't going to make any difference to breeding plans, is it? Three I don't weeks? know. I don't know. Well, it's not, is it? No, but they've made, the, they've made their decision about not racing next year. Yeah. And I don't think you can go from yesterday straight to the Breeders' Cup as it is. Why? Just... There were about three or well, there were about five or six horses from yesterday that are going to. Yes, breeze. but that was their plan. It wasn't the plan for this boy, and they haven't trained him in that way. And as we're about to oh, find out, no, they are not motorcycles. One man, one man who knows that they're not motorbikes because he's familiar with both horses and high-powered motorbikes is Richard Kingscote, Derby-winning jockey. Looks like you look like you're in your gaming chair. Well, I was gaming I, chair. I, I was going to say your <laughs> evil genius's lair, but uh, maybe it's just a gaming chair. Just a gaming chair. I tell you what's disappointing about that is he goes from expectation of being the bore, most boring person to interview on earth to, to being quite an interesting person with that behind you, Rich. You know that, Matt. And now I can't hear you. Uh, look, so, let, it's you, isn't it? It's, so what's going on over there? Obviously, that's, is that you on the bike? Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of bike is that and how fast does it go? Uh, so that's my R6 track bike. Um... It's probably a 150-mile-an-hour bike, depending on the gearing. But have, you, have you gone that fast on it? Yeah, I've topped that bike out. I went to Silverstone a couple of months ago, uh, going to Spain in December. Um, wow. And I've now got a Ducati. Well, you couldn't, you couldn't have made it sound more interesting, but it looks really, <laughs> it looks really good. Um, tell me, I expect the one thing about that bike is it doesn't like the ground that Baybridge enjoyed yesterday. Uh, definitely not, no. Are we doing Baybridge a disservice? Everyone said, oh, he's, he's gone really well on that soft ground yesterday, but we cast our mind back to the start of the season, Richard, and very, very big things were expected of this horse. What's your, what's your verdict after yesterday? Did the ground help him a lot, or is he just the real deal? I think he's a, he is a, a class act. He's, um, he's shown a very good level of form in the summer on, on quick ground. Um, yeah, may may have brought out a little bit more out of him having been able to get his toe in, but he he's you know in three of his four runs this year, shown very good form on easing the ground and in the summer on quick ground. So I don't think you can you can say they was just the ground. He's a he's a decent animal. 
everyone going into this race, Richard, had their eye on Baid. Is it the same for you guys riding in the race? Were, were you thinking, where's Baid? Is he going to come past me any minute? Was that, was that in your mind at all? Yeah, of course. All the way down the straight, you're, you're sort of thinking he'll, he'll appear because that's what he's done in all his other races. He's just taken him, you know, quickened up so well, but just ended up keep kicking and my lad got his head down and showed great attitude. Richard, of course, not the first time you've ridden this boy. You rode him at York in a handicap off a BHA rating of 105 in October of, of last year. In, in the back of your mind, when you won that race, and this was obviously, you know, quite close to where you're building this relationship with Sir Michael, were you thinking back to the Pilsudskis and the horses that Sir Michael had in the past and thinking this might just be another one of those real improving handicappers come group horses? I think... I think this time last year, we were thinking that this horse would have a big year this year. Um, and then it looked at, again, Sandown. Um, and obviously after his last run at Sandown, he came back with a nick. Um, so as the boss said, he, he, he laid off him and he's now got his group one. Um, obviously, Desert Crown turned up. In, in the interim, so it's ended up a fantastic year. It's been a very good year. Do you treat yourself after a year like this, Richard? Is there a new new super bike in the in the garage after this? It's already there. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a Ducati. Um, but obviously, now the weather's turned, so it's not getting getting seen very much. Okay, Rich, I know we slightly covered this ground with Desert Crown, but the story moves on. Your story moves on, and while you are this completely chill out bloke it appears um obviously those kind of people i found in my history in, in horse racing are the most dangerous incidentally so don't absolutely be fooled by this um paul townend would be the obvious example that i can think of the top of my head there are lots of lots of others um but uh, um just when you were going through the ranks and you were at manor house obviously you had big success brown panther was was incredible but was, was there a time when you were looking over your shoulder at races like the Derby, uh, the, the, this race yesterday, the Champion Stakes, and thinking, you know, that's where I want to be? And, and almost with a certain amount of jealousy at people riding in those races. And, and to be there now, can, can you explain anything about that journey, about what it feels like to now being part of the biggest races in the sport? Um... That's a long question, Matt. Um, Luckily, I've got someone who likes to chat, so... Basically, I was happy with Tom. I used to, you know, I like working with Tom, and I sort of accepted that if we were going to get a good horse, then it would take us together, like Panther did. Um, and then we, there was a few lean years, and I think it's hard to get to that top table it's a bit of a closed shop. Most of the horses are with the same people. So I wasn't jealous that, that I wasn't in those races. Of course, we all want to be in those races. But as a realist, you, you've got to, you know, it's, they're difficult to come by. Um, and I sort of accepted that I'd had my lot, maybe. Um, and then this opportunity came along and... Um, 
luckily it's worked out well. Well, it's worked out very, very well indeed. Just one thing on that. Final one, because I, 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 I messaged someone well into the stout camp, let's just say. It wasn't Sir Michael himself, obviously, because he wouldn't give me his number. But he's well into the stout camp. And I said to him, Kingscott was very good. Uh, forget about that, Richard. I, I often praise you when I, when I shouldn't. Um, but um, on this occasion, and the response was this, very, very underused in big races. He is so cool. And that's from someone right in the camp of Sir Michael Stout. Um, I, I think, Richard, it's a clear message. You know, we've had the Murtas, the Canans over the years, we've had big jobs, but also been the go-to man when a spare comes up. And you would imagine, and who knows, and I know that you won't count your lucky stars or anything, but you'd imagine people will look to you now in these big races as the cool guy who can deliver on, on the big day. Yeah, of course, it'd be nice to pick up extras. Um, obviously, no expectation. There are very few around. I mean, like yesterday, the only spare winner was um, Tom Marquand on Roger Berrien. So there's um, very few spares in big races going around, but obviously every now and then they do pop up and it'd be nice if my name is in the mix, as it sometimes is. Yeah. Um, but it's a competitive sport and... Um, you know, I feel I've taken my opportunity and I'm luckily I haven't ballsed it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. the main thing. Keep doing it right. It's been a terrific campaign. Well done yesterday, Richard. Thanks for your time. Yeah, appreciate it. Just, uh, just like to thank all of the guys at home. Obviously, Kevin and Sarah do a great job and James and Ted lead me in the right direction. So big thanks to them as well. Good stuff. Yeah. Well done, Richard. Thank That's you. James Savage, Ted Durkin, Kevin Bradshaw rides the horse. Yeah. I can't remember if he said someone else. Ted Durkin would be a big part. Yeah, uh, yeah. and James Savage. Durkin, of course, he used to ride a lot. Yeah. You remember him in the Arcos colours a lot. For well, he, yeah, he's also a very very able, big race man. Very good course, Ted Durkin, and very cool under pressure as well. Now, talking of being cool under pressure, Holly Doyle rose to the occasion yesterday, got a third success in the Stairs Championship for uh, Trushan. What a horse! Trushan wins his third Kipco Long Distance Cup on British Champions Day. What a brave performance. Very well done to Alan King and all the team at home and also to the Singular Partnership. Who is the Singular Partnership? Who are the Singular Partnership? Well, one part of it is David Hill, and we've got David Hill on the line right now. Thanks for hanging on, David. Good to have you on board. Um, that was pretty good yesterday, wasn't it? You must be very proud of your horse. Uh, very special day, wasn't it? Very special. It was a very special ride by Holly, too. Well, <laughs> it was a special ride. She picked up a few days along the way for that, David. Is, is all fair in love and war? That's, that's the verdict? Well, I think it, in those long-distance races, there's always jostling for positions. And um, I feel Holly felt that at Doncaster, we got out, out jobs, so she was very keen to make sure that she, she put the slate yesterday. Well, she was the enforcer in that race yesterday. David, there were, there were various views going round about the Doncaster run. There was the one that obviously Alan put up to us on the day. I think I, I spoke to him and, he, uh, and, and yourselves, actually, and, and he basically just said he really felt the horse was feeling the effect of Goodwood. There were others, of course, who were saying, well, was this the first signs that the horse was showing a career of hard races and, you know, he was wandering around a bit? As Team Trushan, what, what did you make of it all? Well, I think there are various options you could um, use to describe his run. His run. Um, I think um, Ruby Walsh put it pretty well yesterday when he said that um, he got very unbalanced at Goodwood and probably remembered it at Doncaster. Yeah. 
And, and I mean, as a racehorse, obviously he's very talented, but he's, his determination and character and will really matched by Holly's in many ways. But he's, he's just a terrific desire to succeed, isn't he? Yes, I have to say that um, whenever we get into an eyeball to eyeball situation, you feel he's going to come out on top. So full marks yesterday to Coltrane because um, when they got into an eyeball situation, Coltrane kept on fighting back. And what happens next, David? Because he's obviously he's um, not getting any younger. He's only six, though, which is a, is a young age um, in in the some some disciplines, I suppose. But for for a, for a flat horse with his CV, um, he's ha he's had some tough races. What's what's the plan? Do you do you come back and 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 try and repeat uh, this season next year? Is that the plan? Well, I think we'll be even more cautious next year about uh, the ground on which we run. Because although he can put up a very good performance on good ground, he obviously is a better horse on top. Tell us about that, David, because obviously that's, that's a frustration for fans because everyone wants to see True Shan race. What is, what is Alan King telling you about this? Is, is it just what well, you've just said there, that he's, he's a better horse on top? Yeah, I can promise you. I think we've had um, at least a double the number of lunches that we have have races. Because we wait on the, the, on the rain to arrive, it doesn't arrive, and then uh, we have to withdraw. But, I mean, full marks to Alan because he's been um, very cautious in the way he's been campaigned, and I think we're seeing the benefits, benefits of it now. You certainly are. You certainly are. There, are. there are some crazy people out there, David. I'm not amongst them. Some of them are sitting not very far from me, though, who think you should, you should, you should go hurdling with this horse. I've explained that this is a stupid idea, but what, what do you make of it? Uh, the only person I've ever heard put forward that idea is somebody called Matt Chapman. Now, David, I must apologise, because yesterday you, you said to me, Matt, I'll come on, but please don't bring up the jumping. But unfortunately, as many a boss of mine has found out over the years, Sean is a loose cannon, <laughs> and I have no control of what he's saying. But now he's brought it up, of course. I, I, I mean, look, if you're going to run him... Being serious for a minute, David, and I'm not trying to stir the boat here because the first thing I think Alan King said yesterday, and he'll have said this deliberately because I know Alan, uh, he said he's going to enjoy a nice time out in the field now, um, which is not what all of us would want. But if he's only going to run, let's say, two or three times on the flat next season and you are jumping people and he was bought to be a jumper, is it the most ridiculous thing to do an order book with him and just give him... One novice hurdle, if he pings round and loves it, into the champion hurdle, and then he can come back next season and be the great stare on the flat again. Tell me why that's ridiculous. Well, you're quite right in one aspect. He, he was bought um, as a dual-purpose horse. In fact, I've got uh, Anthony Bromley's sales catalogue notes here at the moment, and it says, good long stride, likeable breeze, uh, good jog, Leggy National Hunt Well, enough said. When do we see him uh, then, David? What, which, which little novice hurdle do you think? Nice one at Newbury, possibly, or something like that? I don't, I don't think you'll see him over hurdles, Matt. Oh, David. Oh, well, at least I don't have to ask you again. <laughs> well, I think Honey Truckle would probably put us in our place very quickly. Yeah, but well, just, uh, just maybe, imagine if you did. Maybe. Well, it's, it, yeah. Uh, you'd I, be more worried about Constitution Hill, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, possibly, yes. <laughs> I, we, I'd be more worried about ruining what's a perfectly good plan so far, which has oh, won them a million and a half in prize money or thereabouts. Uh, good stuff. Uh, congratulations on yesterday, David. Thanks for your time today.
Brilliant stuff. He's a very special horse. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, David. Well done. He's a great horse. He really is a terrific star, isn't he? He's, He's the kind of horse we star. like. He is. And he we were talking about Bay Bridge, you know, handicappers taking on a derby horse in a in a in a champion stakes. That's the stuff of, of that's what this sport is about, isn't it? You can rise through the ranks or you can be bred to be a million dollars, but sometimes they can all just meet together eventually. And, and uh, well, we've got lots more to chat about. Yesterday. We have. We have more to come after this short break. Welcome back to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. We've been catch reflecting you by surprise there, boys. <laughs> I was just reading something here. Yeah. Uh, we've been reflecting on Champions Day at Ascot. Well, I like lots, that. You always research. Lots, yeah, Even you've in the break. You've got to keep on top of these things, you know. Um, right. We talked about Trushan. We've probably done enough on Trushan, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, look, I think we should talk about the race just a little bit. Um, Five-day ban. I suspect it was Hollywood... about right, I thought. I Three days Hollywood... for the first movie was about right. I know she persevered with it, but, like... You know, there was enough of a gap for her to make her way across. It was a bit tight, but it, it, what, she didn't take out half the field. Um, no, but she took out the horse that she ended up beating Narrow. Squeezed him out. Squeezed him out. But it was, it was, it was a manoeuvre you see every day, isn't it? Every day it, you see it. It, it is. Um, I think this is a classic example of, in the UK, no effect. If that's abroad, Trushan gets thrown out. Well, yeah, I think... But those it, are the rules. And in this country, if she'd done it, turning for home rather than yeah. at the start, would it have... The, the bigger debate is... Look, we always look at the end of races, yep. and we're about to see Trushan in action here. here. Here is Holly. This is just in front of the stand. She starts gunning him forward. Well, she has a look. She has a look. She, she knows exactly what she's doing here. She's trying to get and clear. She's trying to get clear. see Probert coming. Sonic's there. Sonic's saying, no, you're not going across. She's saying, yes, I am a little bit, actually. And then she sees, obviously, the bend's coming up. Yep. She rides into the gap. Probert's trying to keep his ground, but in the end, he comes out the meat and the sandwich, as we say in the game, yeah. and he gets chopped out. And when you consider the narrow victory, does a move like that make the difference? Well, what we really need is a form of champion jockey to, to tell us whether a move like that really makes all the difference. Because Coltrane headed Trushan at this stage, I think Coltrane gets to the front here. Great memories, of course, of Robbie Coltrane. What a, what a topical winner this would have been. But Trushan battles back. On that basis, can you argue that that interference on the first bend made the difference or not? You can see why the stewards don't turn it round, because... Well, there wasn't even a bing-bong, was there? There wasn't a bing-bong. Yeah. It doesn't have to Which be. Which I was a bit surprised about. But, well, it's it enough, though, isn't they, it? Coltrane is yeah. almost coming back at the line. There should absolutely have been a bing-bong, because it could have affected the outcome. But they, they obviously made a decision very quickly that it wasn't going to affect the outcome. Do we have anyone any good... Who could tell us a bit more about interference? Or a like former that. champ, something like that. Oh, I don't know, just someone who might be OK. Can't just conjure these out of nothing. Oh, we have. Machine Murphy. He's uh, a bit disappointing. I was expecting him to be jumping an eight-foot wall or something right now. And he, I, thought you, I thought you were show jumping. What, what are you doing in a shed? I managed to delay it. I'm sat in my sunroom, uh, Matt, but thank you very much for being kind. Uh, good morning, Boise. Good, uh, good to see you. Hold on, we can't let that go, Boise. I mean, you certainly know someone's become champion of their sport when they have a sunroom. Do you have a sunroom? And don't say, do I have a sunbed? I, do you have a sunroom? <laughs> I have an orangery. And, uh, no, no, I don't. But um, it's, 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 it's good to see you, Sheen. Um, on, on that subject, because we're, we're debating it, you, you, you will know better than us sat, sat here in the studio. Was that a race-winning manoeuvre by Holly Doyle. A, was it a race-winning manoeuvre when she, she got across and got that position early in the race at a key stage? And B, was she entitled to do it? Uh, I suppose two things, um, because you've asked two questions. Yep. I'm, I'm not sure it was a race-winning manoeuvre. Um, 
I think she had to use up a little bit of petrol to go forward and cut into the inside anyway. And uh, I thought they rolled along in front. Um, Quickthorn set a, a decent even pace like he did when he was very impressive at York. Uh, so I think David Probert was in a very good position on Coltrane, although he had to race one off the rail and Holly ended up uh, racing on the fence for a mile and a quarter perhaps of the race. Um, so I, I wouldn't look into it. Uh, too much. Obviously, Holly got a three-day suspension for causing that little bit of interference into the turn, but um, these pieces of interference are uh, not every day, like, like Matt uh, said they are. I, I don't actually agree, but I think in better races and in big fields, um, these maneuvers do take place, and we often don't focus on them as much as, as this uh, particular incident is getting uh, viewed at the moment. Ashin, do you think if that had happened on the home bend rather than the first bend, that could have made the difference? Well, how to frozen. silence your guest? It's frozen. You ask a ridiculous question, and the guest sort of <laughs> says, You know what, Matt? Not even, not even going to dignify you the time that time of day so far, but I'm not going to answer that one. We'll see if we can get a sheen we'll uh, back up. In the meanwhile, let's talk about another brilliant, brilliant rider, of course, Mr Frankie de Tori, who's had a season of defined by ups and downs, I think it's fair to say. And had a whole new book, hasn't he? Oh. It's going to be a new book on the 2022 season, surely. Well, there's certainly a chapter there, isn't there? Well, there's, there's a few a, chapters. There's a chapter there. there that's Starts be... with the Dubai World Cup. Yeah. Goes to the Strad. Yes. Ends up Champions Day. And ends up smoking a cigar out the stalls on Inspiral. Yes, but along the way, th those ups and downs of, of things not going well, sometimes through, uh, through his fault, according to some observers, including the trainer involved on one or two occasions. Uh, but Kinross uh, kicked off what was a good day for El Dottori, and uh, that was brilliant, wasn't it? I, I, I wasn't quite so sure about this horse dropping back to six, but I, Rafe Beckett was, and Frankie Dottori was too. Well, I've got to say, I was sure as well. Um, and that's not after timing for those who, who do vaguely follow me on social media. He put media. up a few winners, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was really keen on this horse. For one reason, I felt he was in the absolute form of his life. True. I thought the True. foray was totally dominant. And if you've got the speed for seven on testing ground at Ascot... Is that the key? Yeah, I think the six was not going to be yeah. a, a problem. And... Honestly, if you could have a bet after two furlongs when you saw the horse just cruising behind the pace setters, I think for those who do take their computers to the track and bet in running, they would have been quite happy to lump on Kim Ross. Um, he will go to the Breeders' Cup mile now, which will be arguably on faster ground. It's, as I said earlier, it's impossible to tell what you'll get at Keeneland because it can snow in the morning and be 75 degrees in the afternoon there. You just, you literally, it's like being in Melbourne, being in Keeneland. But... The ground's been terrific over in America recently for the Keeneland meetings. And if this horse gets anything like good, he's going to be a, a strong contender. But what I said earlier is true as well with Bailly. The Breeders' Cup mile is going to be an absolute cracker. It's not just Kim Ross. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are loads of really good horses coming out the QE2, of course. Um, there are two out the QE2 that will go there. Dream Loper's going to run in the mile for, for Ed Walker rather than the Phillies and Mares by the looks of things. Um, it's going to be a really hot 
Breeders' Cup mile. Yeah, we look forward to that. Talking of fillies and mares, by the way, we had the Kipco British Champions fillies and mares stakes yesterday, and it saw uh, a, a brilliant return for Emily Upjohn. This is a tweet from Shane Anderson at Global Gallop. Very elegant, tracked eventual winner Emily Upjohn throughout today. Was presented at the right time to make a challenge. Couldn't land a blow. Her time is up. She has had a remarkable career. I think it's hard to avoid that conclusion now, isn't it? You can make excuse for the first run back in France. You can make it, you know, an excuse maybe for the for the next run. But we've had a few chances to see her now and she, she, it looks like she's just not the horse she was I mean it depends or do you, whether or do you think she never was that horse well no I, th I think her time is up trying to win a European group one race over this distance um, I personally and I know it sound it will sound crazy when she's finished like this here I'd have run her in the champion stakes against Baid um, because I think what she wants is a, and, and she, is a strong gallop is what she wants. And with Stone Age in the field, she would have got that. Whereas in this race, she was never going to get it. Um, having said that, I don't think for one minute she'd have won that race. I, I don't think she'd have been too far away, though. I think she'd have been hunting up Stone Age in about fifth or sixth. Um, but for me, she has been hopelessly campaigned in Europe. Brilliant that she came on the one score. Fantastic that the owners did it. And I off every hat that I have that they did it but I think the races picked for her have been like a baby in a kindergarten who had absolutely no idea what they were doing. Well if your plans to win the arc what's the point campaigning her as a ten furlong horse? They, they wanted the whole point of coming was to try and win an arc wasn't it that was, that was um, what they wanted to do. Yes but they didn't understand the rules of racing in trying to get her there which is always a problem if you if you are going to campaign a horse you need to actually understand the rules of the game. Well um, she's just been hopelessly placed. Yeah, hopelessly placed. The handicapper pulled the Hopelessly out. ridden on occasion Zara I mean he's had hopeless times on on very elegant in Australia as well and brilliant ones don't get me wrong but his ride in France was just a, a massive flop. Um, this was better and she wasn't good enough. Look she's an old horse she probably has had her best days. But coming back to that original tweet, her time may be up in Europe. I'm not convinced she couldn't still win something good in Australia because there is a massive differential in the standard of middle distance horses in Australia than there is here. And all that, all she's found out is that. What do you think of that comment, Tim Carroll? Get in touch. Uh, that she'll, she'll be, she can't compete well, Tim here, will be agreeing she'll, because she'll he's always telling around. us how intelligent he is, so he'll be agreeing. She'll be romping around in Group 1s again in Australia. I'm not sure. I, th I think oh. she's, she's not the horse that she was. Should, we should touch on that. Yep. This is the one that got away, Beso Boy. We spoke to Roger Varian on this show earlier on this season. He said, don't give up on the horse. I mean, he had bits and pieces of form which you could give him a chance, and in he goes. OK, so two things here. Slowly, almost as slowly as way as in Spiral. Yes. Um, a yep. slow gallop. Nothing comes from off the pace except a complete no-hoper that cannot win the race. How you analyse this going forward, I have no idea. But the only thing you can say is that the headgear and the soft ground seem to completely change this animal. I thought the runner-up, Modern Games, has run a terrific prep for the Breeders' Cup mile. Breeders' Cup winner in the Juvenile last year. I remember when booed because he wasn't in the betting. Jadumi is f improving fast. And if he goes from the front in the Breeders' Cup mile and kicks off the bender, Keeneland, he's going to be hard to, to chase down. Um, so lots to take out of the race. I have got a quote on in spiral from Chris Richardson uh, uh, Boise because yeah. that's what I do on these days yes. research good um, and a lot of people might think that in spiral will get retired now particularly because quite a few pundits compared her to her damn star yes. scope who turned into an iffy horse and quote Chris Richardson 
Um, uh, this is what he said. Um, Hi, Matt. The plan is still for Inspiral to race on. She fluffed the start for whatever reason yesterday, but she is absolutely fine this morning. Holiday time now. Uh, she has a fine record to date. So it appears that Inspiral will stay in training and race on next year. And I wouldn't be a surprise at all if she doesn't bounce back. You heard it here first on Racing Debate. You'll hear more on Racing Debate. Rod Street tomorrow. Uh, GBI could change, but we, we, uh, that's the line as of now, if you're watching live. Back after this. Welcome back. Welcome back to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. Lots of you getting in touch. We asked you where does, where does Baez stand amongst the all-time greats. Matt says now he'll be remembered as a very good horse. Ian Brodders, good to hear from you, Brodders. Uh, extremely good, maybe even great, but not an all-timer. Not an all-time uh, great. Uh, that seems to be the virtue of, of many people. Others, others are more uh, bullish. Um, See the Stars fans out in defence of their See the Stars boy and uh, making the comparison that maybe he's not as visually um, exciting as Franco, who was, what was. Uh, but uh, Baid fans, I'd say, are slightly outnumbered by the, the, the glass half empty. Uh, uh, one question quickly, Sean. Mm. If he hadn't run yesterday and Haggis had pulled him out because yes, of the ground, yes. and he'd finished unbeaten in 10, yes. Would we think of him differently now than we would have done yesterday or not? It's a, it's a very difficult thing. That I, I think the unbeaten tag is a bit of an albatross because it, it starts to affect how people think about campaigning and it starts to think about affect how we analyse those. And the point I made earlier about when we really reflect, which will be five or ten years down the line, I think we'll remember what he did rather than yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we often say that with See the Stars, that the best thing that ever happened to See the Stars was getting yeah. beaten as a two-year-old. Yeah. Because from that moment on, you could run him as many times as you liked without worrying about defeat. I don't get it. It's a, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? It's one of the challenges of our sport, isn't it? Promoting sport. This was a huge draw yesterday. Everyone wanted to see Baid. I saw lots of people saying, come and see Baid at Ascot. And of course, you came to see Baid and you didn't see him win. And that's... Perhaps a frustration. Maybe it's not. Maybe it was worth. Yeah, but uh, people say come and see Manchester United or Manchester City or, or obviously more importantly Tottenham. But um, and you don't always win. Doesn't mean you have a. That's a different comparison. That would be like saying come and see Baid versus a horse who might possibly beat him, which wasn't the pitch yesterday, was it? The pitch yesterday was come and see Baid thump. Well, I tipped up stones last film. Hope spring up. But betting is different to what you think. Of course, of course, sometimes of course, because of I course. just didn't think he was a 66 to one shot. 100%. Um, that's, that's, that's the way to go about it. Right, we do have to try and uh, promote these big uh, occasions, though. And one man who's tasked with exactly that challenge is Rod Street, who's in charge of the Champion Series and of uh, great British racing. Right, Rod, you were there yesterday, I'm sure. Uh, I was watching at home yesterday and enjoyed the coverage, saw lots of interesting little initiatives. What was your verdict on yesterday? How did it go? All round, it was a fantastic day. There was something for everyone on Kipco British Champions Day. Um, we didn't quite get the story we wanted, though. I've just been hearing you two um, debate that. It looked like the fairy tale was on the way. We had a Holly win, a Tom win, two Frankie wins. So it felt like the script was going beautifully. And it, it didn't happen with Baid, which was a, a shame. There'd been an awful lot of promotion prior. and We'd had Baid flags up at York, we had them again yesterday, a lot of excitement, some great promotional trailers in the last few months. But horses get beaten, I suppose. I mean, that is what is wonderful about 
the great game. It is, you know, gloriously unpredictable. I suppose if all of the good horses always won, it would be a bit dull. But um, there was a sense of deflation. I thought William Haggis was fantastic in his interviews and philosophical and very measured um, and very reflective. But yeah, we, we all felt that. You, you love to see these great horses go out. And we've been spoiled, haven't we? Frankel had his amazing swan song um, there, Cracksman. His son came and did it twice in, in that race. And so it, it wasn't to be, but it was, a, it was a, a, a remarkable day with lots of great stories and drama and lots happening on the track as well on, um, and out and about on the race course. Does it sum up, though, Rod, the, the, the challenge, perhaps the impossible challenge of promoting horse racing? I was thinking on Tuesday, I don't know whether True Shan's running. I do know that Baye's going to run, obviously, because uh, uh, that, that, that's going to happen. But there were a few other horses who were doubly entered during the week. It's a bit of a nightmare, isn't it, to try and promote and to, and to tell the story, as we always say, when there are so many uncertainties. Well, there are, but I, I, I think we, you know, we can be very down on ourselves as a sport, really. I think we often hold ourselves up to other sports and make inappropriate comparisons because we're not a team sport. We're not a partisan sport where you, where, where you follow a club. We're not like Formula One, where the same 24 drivers move around the world um, in, in a very structured way and turn up at the same place. Um, we're, a, we're a very different sport. You can dip in and dip out as you want. I think one of the wonderful things is, is that you can be, um, uh, you can be, you know, incredibly capricious about racing. You can change your allegiance every single race, every 30, 35 minutes. You can change your colours, change your allegiance to jockey, trainer, yard, um, because that's how we're structured. So I, th I, I think we have lots of positives. I think in some ways as well, we're, you know, we're very easy to understand at a very, very base level you have to pick the horse that gets to the winning post first. And so I do think sometimes we, we kind of make it hard for ourselves by making all these, these comparisons at, to other sports when we actually stand up quite well. And when you think of how we're broadcast so brilliantly on terrestrial TV and with two other channels of our own on a, uh, on a regular basis, how our attendance stands up despite the, the challenges this year to any other sport other than football, I, I think we have loads and loads going for us and we've just got to keep with that storytelling sometimes it goes in your favor sometimes you get that you know that excitement going about a story in a horse and it comes off and other times it doesn't but that's a bit like life really isn't it <laughs> it is it is uh, we, this sort on. of happy-go-lucky story thing though rod and the same press release gets released every year after this meeting of there were wonderful stories but for, i mean it is just a red herring because i was a Wolverhampton, Utoxter, and where else was I last week? Windsor last week. Very privileged to be at those three tracks. And I can absolutely guarantee you there were bigger stories in all the winners in every race well, there that's than were on They're not bigger stories. Bigger stories. From the point of view of much more human Better stories, Jimmy. More just, interesting. Just, just, I mean, it's the same with the Grand National that there's always a story. It's just something that people reel out. But it's absolute nonsense because every winner of every horse every day has exactly the same story as the Grand National winner or indeed any horse okay. at Champions Day yesterday. And often they have much better stories because usually, and I'll give a classic example, to a group of about 15 lads uh, in a syndicate at Utoxta on Friday who won a little race and clearly it meant masses more than any of the winners at Champions Day yesterday to most of the owners yesterday. It's just, it's just 
blah, isn't it, Rod? It's just not true, all this stuff about stories. Why, for instance, couldn't we say to people, come racing on Champions Day, have a bet. Why don't you come and have a bet? You'll have bookmakers, you'll have the whirlpool, you'll have the tote, you'll have the exchanges if you want to pay on your phone. Why couldn't Great British Racing put out a lovely advert later this week and say, come and bet at the Cheltenham Festival at Cheltenham? It's the best place well, to have a wager. There's quite a lot to unpack there, there, Matt. Let's let's because there's there's two there's two things you've just said. Let's go back to storytelling. There are lots of stories to tell, and, and at Great British Racing and on in the paddock and Great British Racing International and and many of the other platforms we work with, we try and do as much broad storytelling as possible. The syndicates will produce content on great stories with them as well. We work at a regional level with race courses when they've got a story to tell to help them tell a very local and relevant story. So we're doing that all the time. But there is a reality that with any sport, people want to know who the best is. It's one of the Olympics is so popular every four years because you know you are looking at the best practitioners at whatever they do. And for a few weeks in the summer, every four years, we become experts in all of the sports. And so with racing, I think it's absolutely right to tell the stories of the best jockeys, the best horses and the leading practitioners because I think that's what people gravitate to. But you're right about the other stories. And we, you know, with, with more resources, with more time, I think we've got so many different things what, to, what, to, to what, tell. What about the betting <laughs> side of uh, things, Rob? Because it, this is something that's being discussed quite in quite a few different places at the moment, that we seem to be a bit sort of um, um, loathe to, to, to push the, the the betting engagement aspect, which is well, a key reason, way. The reason that everyone is there, effectively, with whatever anyone else says, the reason those people are there, 95% of them, is because they want to have a bet on a horse race. That's why they're there. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think we do, a, a, you know, a, a, a lot of the coverage about, about the racing um, end, ends in a bet. So I think when we're talking about um, horse race, all of the, the big horse races and, and, and often, you know, talking uh, talking about the, the leading fancies, I mean, that's implied. You have to bear in mind as well that GBR is, is also promoting to a wider and a family audience. We've had big campaigns on under-18s race-free. And that is not a subject matter where you go anywhere near people when it comes to gaming. So I think the bookmakers who themselves have huge promotional platforms and very, very big budgets can do a, a really, really good job of helping to tell that story. I think with the very, very broad audience that, that we've got, we have to be very, very thoughtful about that. And particularly with a bigger focus, as you saw yesterday, lots of kids there, masterclasses for kids coming to, to the races. Asheen was brilliant, Tom and Holly brilliant, wanting to get them and families in. The message can't be about betting, so we have to be more thoughtful. But I, 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 I totally agree. It is, it is about, it is about the bet, and um, we never say it isn't. When you go abroad, Sean, you really see how it should be done. And, and Rod's talked about, you know, there was promotion, etc. I mean, there wasn't anything on Baid for for weeks. But look at this in Australia. This is how to get crowds going. Just listen to this for a second. the way to do it. I'll tell you a story now, John. It's very short because we've got to go for a break and the producer's going crazy, but the whole point of Sky Sports Racing was that we were meant to be able to just finish the sentence. Um, uh, I was very privileged. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had since I've been in racing to host the on-track presentation at one of the... It was either the first or the second Champions Day. And I introduced James Fanshawe as the skeleton man. Um, and 
That wasn't meant to be clever. It was because I was thinking, what were kids try and remember at the end of this day. Will they remember the name James Fanshawe or will they remember the name The Skeleton Man? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go with that. And it, on his website, he promotes himself, or he did then, as The Skeleton Man. And I was taken to one side. I won't say who it was by, but it will be in the book one day. Uh, I was taken to one side, tapped on the shoulder, and I was said, we don't want things like this at Ascot, Matt. And from that day, of course, I've, I've never hosted anything for... British racing, anything. Never been asked to do a single thing since today. Maybe you're before your kids, time. Loving the yeehaw, never been asked to do anything. Uh, that, that, and that's the attitude you're against. It's so toffee-nosed, it's unbelievable. Any truth in that? Can we, can we see those kind of Everest sing-along scenes here, Rod, as well? Um, that was that was really, really good, by the way, I have, I have to say. Fantastic to see. But it's really good to kind of take a quick glance at anything and then compare yourself unfavourably. But but the, reali the reality is there are so many things that we do really well in this country and other countries, and we, we talk to them all. They come to us and they, they look at what we do and think that we are brilliant. So you can take anything of in course. a moment and say you're, you're doing it better. So I, I think of it's course. an interesting comparison. And there was a similar sing, sing song at Cheltenham, I seem to remember. Thanks for that, Rod. Thanks for your Here's input. Rod. We've got to take a break back after this you'd catch on fire really Welcome back to Racing Debate. We come over to the Skypad, squeezing a couple of tweets. We asked you about uh, Baid's position in the pantheon of the racing greats. The bearded jockey said he's the best since Frankel, but nowhere near him, which is quite a good way of summing it up. Nothing is near Frankel. Um, well, of course. Maybe see the stars. Yeah, well, you, you, I mean, you're both wrong because it depends whether you're talking from the heart or the head again. Well, Baid is within five pounds of Frankel. That is very close to Frankel. That's the simple mathematical okay. fact of the matter. But that's, that's, he's, he's clear of him, isn't he? On yep. um, Jose five, made an interesting point. Rod Street just said that you know, it's about telling the stories of the best champions. It's about the best, the best horses and stuff like this. Jose pointed out that Kinross was the only horse who won yesterday who'd won another Group 1 any time this season. And I, I, I thought that can't be true, but I think it is. It's a great, great tweet. And I, I, that's the kind of intelligent tweet we love on this show because uh, it's an intelligent programme, obviously, with me and Boise here. And um, I think it's a great tweet. The problem is, of course, it's, it's perfectly logical as well because yeah. the ground for most of the summer, we've had a very warm summer, has generally been good to firm. Suddenly, we're asked it's, it's for the champions. It's more than that, though, decide. isn't it? It's more than that. You know, the, the, the idea of having a, a final champions day on any surface is a real challenge. I have this. no idea why this meeting isn't always run on the jumps track. Always. Good. Perfectly good all-weather tracks we could run it on. Uh, that's a bombshell on which we should end this week's Del Racing Mark. Debate. I'll host that. <laughs>